Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. Covering agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. U.S. beef exports are down compared to last year. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have that story coming up. Coastal Bend farmers and ranchers have some growing concerns about the intensifying drought conditions in our area. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. New cotton varieties suitable for Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. We'll have those stories plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domel with the latest news headlines. Coming off of record performances in August, U.S. beef exports were down 6% from a year ago in September to just over 103,000 metric tons. According to the U.S. Meat Export Federation, the exports are valued at $600.9 million. That's down 9%. Exports remain strong to South Korea, Taiwan, and China. USMEF reports COVID-related obstacles are negatively impacting demand for U.S. beef in Mexico, Central America, and the Caribbean. From January through September, beef exports trailed last year's pace 8% in volume and 9% in value. The European Union will levy new tariffs on $4 billion in U.S. exports starting tomorrow. The World Trade Organization authorized the retaliatory tariffs in October due to a tax break given to Boeing in Washington state that has since been repealed. The EU claimed the tax break hurt Airbus. Last year, the U.S. was granted similar approval to levy new tariffs on the EU for benefits given to Airbus that the U.S. said hurt Boeing. Items the EU may target with its new tariffs are hazelnuts, pistachios, frozen concentrated orange juice, grapefruit, grapes, vegetable oils and fats, rum, wine, vodka, and seafood products. The vice president of the European Commission said the EU will suspend the tariffs if the United States does as well. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Uncertainty is one word to describe the outcome of this 2020 election cycle. While the votes were still getting counted last week, the commodity markets were noticing what's taking place. Ben Cash is with Bauer Trading. He says election results do affect the commodity markets in some ways. It does a little bit. There's not going to be likely any big stimulus. There's not going to likely be any conflict there. If it was a Democratic sweep, I think there would be a lot more uncertainty here. But it seems like our policies are going to be more of the same here, basically checks and balances here going forward. There's not going to be any big policy changes, especially on the tax side of things either with the Republicans taking the Senate there. But Cash says the presidential election typically doesn't have much of a long-term effect on the commodity markets. 
Plains Cotton Growers is teaming up with the American Soybean Association to file a lawsuit against the Environmental Protection Agency over registration of the herbicide dicamba. The recent registration by EPA gives growers five years of usage beginning with the 2021 growing season. However, the lawsuit says some aspects of the registration decision, such as buffer requirements and application cutoffs, are problematic for growers who depend on reasonable and consistent access to dicamba for use on dicamba-tolerant soybeans and cotton. The lawsuit notes that several registration conditions impose growing restrictions and disrupt growing seasons, which will diminish crop yields, cut productivity, and drive up the costs of operating. Some of those conditions are much more stringent than in past registrations. The case seeks a remand of the EPA restrictions on dicamba applications, as well as the spatial application buffers. Coastal Bend farmers and ranchers are facing intensifying drought conditions in that part of Texas. Harvey Buring reports from Corpus Christi. As November arrived in the Coastal Bend, it brought with it some very pleasant changes in temperatures and unfortunately no rain. Now the cooler nighttime temperatures have been in the lower to mid 50s here of late. And that has all but halted growth of our warm season pasture grasses like Bermudas and buffalo grass and blue stems. And pasture conditions have been on the decline here in the area, uh, particularly in the western portions of the coastal bend since early October. But that's primarily been due to a lack of soil moisture in those areas. The annual rainfall deficit has uh, increased to just over five inches, according to the National Weather Service at their location at the Corpus Christi International Airport. But uh, locations out in Jim Wells, Duval, and Clayburg counties and areas to the west have had uh, less rainfall, and their uh, rainfall deficits are running six to ten inches in some of those locations. All of this certainly a concern for Coastal Bend ranchers at this time as pasture conditions have declined sharply in those regions, but certainly we're at nowhere near the extreme drought conditions that folks up in the Panhandle, South Plains, and the Trans-Pecos and Big Bend area have been enduring for the past year. But the National Weather Service has uh, come out with its long-range rainfall predictions and they're certainly below normal through the end of January and when you look at the drought projection monitors that means that the majority of the state of Texas including the coastal bend area starts to become an an intensifying drought region and that is certainly concerns for our dry land farming area here in South Texas. And uh, that may be a good incentive for farmers to do some deep soil testing in our area. Coastal Bend AgriLife Extension agents are conducting a soil testing campaign, and they're urging deep soil testing this year all the way down to 18 inches to determine what your nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium uh, availability might be for next year's crops. So if you are interested in saving some dollars on your fertilizer for next year, contact the AgriLife Extension agents during the soil test campaign that will be running for a few more weeks. Reporting from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. 
Texas cotton growers are still getting the 2020 crop out of the field, but it's already time to start choosing varieties for next year's crop. Tom Nicoletti looks at some good variety choices from one of the major cottonseed companies. Kevin Levac is my guest today. He is Delta Pine brand manager. Kevin, what is Delta Pine doing with its cotton product line for farmers? Across the cotton belt this season, the Delta Pine class of 20 is earning the attention of growers. Many of our Delta Pine class of 20 varieties have demonstrated yield on par or better, even better than uh, our popular uh, DP1646. In addition to high yield potential and good fiber quality, many of these products also offer strong tolerances to diseases such as bacterial blight and verticillium wilt. Now, Kevin, Texas is the number one cotton production state in the United States, and so uh, certainly uh, uh, any type of innovations, uh, new developments, uh, new varieties in cotton technology important to uh, farmers here in Texas. So expound on uh, on that, if you can, please. Yeah, Tom, we have a, a couple excellent uh, class of 2020 varieties uh, or specific fit to the uh, southwest market. We do have a couple varieties that are a fit for the Texas market. First one is uh, DP 2044. This uh, variety has shown excellent feeding vigor, is resistant to bacterial blight, and has joined our popular dry tough program uh, for the dry land acres in Texas. And the second variety is DP 2022. This one works best on the irrigated acre uh, in Texas. and uh, offers tolerance to verticillium wilt and bacterial blight resistance. Both of these varieties have demonstrated strong yield potential and fiber quality as well. So those two varieties are going to be available for the 2021 growing season? That's correct. What else has Delta Pine learned uh, this year in 2020 from field performances across Texas or elsewhere in the cotton belt? We've learned that the 2020 varieties um, are performing excellent. We also have a new trait that we will be launching soon, uh, Thrive On, that really combats against uh, tarnished plant bugs and uh, thrip species. So we're excited about uh, the new uh trait launch as well in, in the early part of this decade. Now, certainly Delta Pine has worked uh, extensively on ingenuity to solve various challenges, weather challenges, disease pressures. So uh, this is uh, a state-of-the-art uh, technology that you folks continue to uh, offer farmers. That's correct. Innovation is really at the forefront of, of the Delta Pine brand, and, and our goal is to, to provide farmers with innovative solutions and, um, and really the best yield possible across the cotton belt. We couldn't be more excited about the launch of our new trade Thrive on coming up here in, in the near future once we get regulatory approval. And do you know the timeline for that regulatory approval on Thrive On? Yeah, we're looking at the early part of this decade. So we're, we're working uh, to get regulatory approval and, and we, we we're planning a commercial launch the early part of the, the 2020s. The bottom line, I think when, when we talk about the Delta Pine brand is maximize profit for the grower and, and ROI as well. Those comments again from Kevin Lavac. He is a brand manager with Delta Pine. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Whooping cranes are making their way to Texas. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. If you find that your horse is having trouble with a foot, it could be a hoof abscess. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at this problem coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you find that your horse is having trouble with a foot, a hoof abscess is the most common cause. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. There are many causes for acute severe lameness in a horse, but a hoof abscess is the most common. We have many clients call us and think their horse has a broken leg or other severe injury, and although this is possible and your horse should always be examined by your vet, a hoof abscess can be very painful to the horse. Hoof pain can be diagnosed with hoof testers by applying pressure on the sole, and if positive, this tells the vet there is a problem in the hoof, but does not tell us the cause of the problem. Your vet will examine the foot closely for signs of a puncture or opening at the white line that could allow an abscess to develop. Sometimes x-rays are required to rule out other causes of lameness if an apparent abscess is not found, and sometimes the abscess can be seen on the x-ray. Dr. Steve O'Grady indicates in the Remuda publication that an abscess is an accumulation of pus underneath the sole or inside the hoof wall, and just a few drops of pus can be extremely painful to the horse. Although punctures are certainly possible, most hoof abscesses develop from a piece of dirt or other material that is contaminated with bacteria and enters the area under the sole at the white line. Horses with founder or those that do not have their feet trimmed regularly have a widened white line and this makes them susceptible to an abscess. Treating these abscesses involves opening the area at the white line to allow drainage as making an opening in the sole is not recommended as it requires much longer to heal. So if your horse becomes acutely lame, an abscess may be the cause and calling your vet is the best option. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Whooping cranes are making their way to Texas. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. The rarest bird species in North America is making its way from Alberta, Canada to Texas. Wade Harrell, U.S. Whooping Crane Recovery Coordinator with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, says a few whooping cranes have already been spotted at the Aransas National Wildlife Refuge on the coast. We historically have seen the first whooping crane arrive on the coast around mid-October, and I believe it was October 19th is the first verified observation we had of a, one of our birds that we have marked with telemetry equipment arrive, so it's right about on time. Harold said there are still whooping cranes up in the Dakotas, so if you haven't seen one yet, you still have a chance. You know, they had an early cold spell, but it's back in the 70s, so this is not too uncommon for fall weather for the northern Great Plains where it gets cold and then it thaws out. So, you know, we have quite a few birds left in the migration corridor all the way up to the Dakotas that will be headed down here over the next few weeks. The 2,400-mile whooping crane migration from Canada to the Texas coast can take up to 50 days. 
There is a fairly reliable uh, migration corridor or path, as you said, that they follow that's about 300 kilometers wide generally from North Dakota down here to Texas. In terms of proximity to Texas urban areas, if you kind of look at a map thinking from the north to south around Wichita Falls is roughly where they enter Texas from Oklahoma and then coming down uh, just on the west side of the Dallas-Fort Worth area typically and then coming down generally bump just a little bit east of Austin and then straight on down to the coast from there. That was Wade Harrell from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle and cotton market started the week with a bang. We finish sharply higher across the board in live cattle, feeder cattle, and cotton. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, you could definitely call Monday a bullish day for the cattle market. We saw big gains right out of the gate Monday morning. We held on to those all during the trading day to close sharply higher. And we're talking two, three, four dollars higher. Big jumps. Let's start with live cattle. December up 317, 111.82. February live cattle up 292 at 115.07. The April up 232, 118.37. Even bigger gains in feeder cattle. November feeders up 392, 141.62. January feeders up 480 at 140.72. The March contract up 477, 139.95. Cash fed cattle market at a standstill on Monday, but the feedlots are optimistic this week. We had a good week last week. We bumped the market up as high as 107 in most trading regions. Of course, we're expecting to see higher asking prices than that this week. And with the day that they had on the futures market Monday, you can definitely see that feedlots are optimistic about this week for the fed cattle trade. Boxed beef prices higher. Choice up 28 cents at 214.60. Select up $1.95, $200.44. Let's check some feeder cattle auctions now. We'll start up in the panhandle. Tulia Livestock Auction, Tulia, Texas, 1,780 head. Feeder steers and heifers trading mostly $5 to $8 higher. Four to 500 pound steers, $1.46 to $1.70 a pound. Five to six weight steers, $1.34 to $1.53. Six to 700 pounders, $1.26 to $1.43. Seven to eight weight steers, $1.16 to $1.33. And we had some heavy 900 to 1,000 pound steers bringing 117 to 126 a pound. Slaughter cows brought 42 to 50 cents. Slaughter bulls 70 to 81. 
Now way back over to East Texas, Tri-County Livestock Market in New Summerfield selling over the weekend. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.10 to $1.90. Three to four weight steers, $1.08 to $1.80. Four to five hundred pounders, $1.05 to $1.50 a pound. Five to six weight steers, $1.00 to $1.38. Six to seven hundred pounders, ninety-five cents to a dollar thirty, and seven to eight weight steers brought ninety to a dollar twenty-two a pound. Slaughter cows, fifteen to sixty-two cents. Slaughter bulls, seventy to eighty-seven. Stocker cows, five hundred fifty to thirteen fifty a head. Cow calf pairs, twelve hundred to fourteen hundred a pair. Now back over to the futures market where lean hawks closed higher. December up 70 cents, 65.60. February hogs up 42 at 67.45. Class 3 milk higher. December milk up 40 cents, 19.10, 100 weight. The cotton market seeing big triple-digit gains on Monday. Traders continuing to keep an eye on Tropical Storm Ada waiting to see what kind of damage it is expected to cause to that southeastern cotton crop. Also, a big jump in the Dow, helping to boost cotton prices. We close with December cotton up 138 points, 70 cents even. March cotton up 153 at 71.68. Kansas City wheat lower. We continue to watch the moisture situation here in the U.S. We did get a mix of snow and rain across the northwestern U.S. plains on Monday, giving some moisture replenishment for that crop there. However, drought continues to be a concern in the southwest. The seven-day forecast looking mostly dry for the southwestern U.S. plains. December wheat down two and three quarters, 5.52 and a half. New crop July wheat down two at 5.70 a bushel. Corn closed slightly higher, December up three quarters at 4.07 and a half. In the energy markets, December natural gas down two at 285, December crude oil up 302 at 4016 a barrel. And as we already mentioned, a big jump in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It was up 1,196 at 29,519. The NASDAQ down 45, 11,849. The S&P 500 up 82 at 3,591. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up yet another episode of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right back here tomorrow, bringing you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. Hope to see you then. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.